right, moving on. We're in the book of Joshua, again, chapter 5, page 132. So we are now in the book of Joshua, and Moses, who was once the leader of the Israelites, has passed away, and now we have the leader, Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. And he now leads a new generation of Israelites. This new generation of Israelites is not afraid like their parents. Their parents stood at the edge of the promised land. And though they were so close to the land that God had promised them, they were afraid. They were afraid of the fortresses. They were afraid of the armies that were there. They were afraid of the giants that were there. And they said, we don't want to go in there because we don't want to have to fight those that live there. We are afraid of losing the battle. We are afraid of dying. We're afraid of what might happen if we enter the promised land. So for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness with Moses, and that generation passed away. And a new younger one rose up, and now Moses is leading this generation. And it's interesting because while the parents were too afraid, now the children have risen up, and now they are not afraid like their parents, and now they have grown up and replaced their parents, and they say, look, we're not afraid like our parents were. And we want to enter into the promised land. So led by Joshua, last week, they crossed the Jordan River and have entered into the promised land of Israel, what will become Israel. So a couple people have been asking, is this a real land? And of course, the answer is yes. The Bible is not a made-up story. The Bible is a historical uh, account of what took place. So I want to show you guys a map. We actually have a map in our slides of uh, the nation of Israel. And so we're going to show that to you in just a second. Uh, under the teaching slide, if you could find it, Jake, um, under the teaching area, um, it's in there. But um, basically, this is a map of Israel, and the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, which was down here, into uh, the promised land that God had promised them. And this is a, a, a map of Israel, and it is there today. The Israelites live there today. Um, there was a time in history, actually a long time in history, where the Israelites did not live there. Um, they're going to take the promised land, we're going to read about in a little bit, they're going to take the promised land and make it their own and live there, but they're going to lose it and have it taken away from them. But recently, actually in history, about 80 years ago, 70 years ago, they retrieved and got back this land and established again the nation of Israel, and they live there today, all right? They're right on the Mediterranean Sea, and it's the nation of Israel. They live in the promised land uh, that God promised to them right now and have the city of Jerusalem and so today, we're actually going to talk about the first battle that they fought in the Promised Land. This new uh, group, a new generation of people led by Joshua. And this first battle will take place right here at Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. So, raise your hand if you have heard of the Battle of Jericho. Anybody heard of the Battle of Jericho before? Okay. Raise your hand if you have seen the VeggieTales episode of the Battle of Jericho. Anybody? Raise your hand if you have no idea what VeggieTales is. That's okay. And not weird at all. Okay, put your hands down. So you can take the map down. Uh, thank you so much. So, uh, just wanted to give you an update. If you have seen the VeggieTales episode of, uh, if you have seen the VeggieTales episode of um, Jericho, I never understood why vegetables were able to pick things up with their hands because they didn't have hands. They just use their minds, I guess, to levitate things. And I, I also use veggie tails as an excuse to try to not eat vegetables. I'd say, Mom, 
I've grown so attached to vegetables and watching VeggieTales, I can't eat this asparagus because me and Mr. Asparagus have a, like, we're friends. And so I, I can't eat this. I'm sorry. And she's like, eat that or you're going to your room and you're grounded. Yes, ma'am. And I just eat it right there. So that was that. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk today about Jericho. Excited to share this story with you and excited to talk about the first battle. But it's interesting as we look at this story, the Israelites have crossed the Jordan River. They got all excited and got their troops together, got their people together, went into the land. And maybe they thought, this will be easy, we're going to go into the land, and we're motivated and excited to go into the land. But now they actually have their first battle, their first test. And maybe you've had a thing where you wanted to accomplish a task, and then you actually started to sweat, and you actually started to have to work, and you realized it was going to be a challenge. Maybe that happened to you. Maybe you wanted to try out for the volleyball team, or maybe you want to try out for the basketball team, and you watched the Gatorade commercial, and you saw somebody like, Gatorade, is it in you? And you saw somebody like on the bike, like, you know, pedaling, or you saw somebody like in the gym, like bouncing basketball, or you saw somebody like, throwing the volleyball and smacking it down. They had the sweatband on, and they're sweating Gatorade, which I never understood. Like, if I had purple sweat, I'd be going to the doctor concerned. Anyway, moving on. So, you know, they're like sweating in a Gatorade commercial, and you're like, yeah. I'm going to go out there and work and make the team. Let's go, team. And, you know, so you go into the gym and you start working out, and then you start realizing that you're sweating, and you're like, ew, I feel gross. Or maybe you, like, go to the basketball gym and you shoot three shots, and you're like, I've missed every time. I'm terrible. I'm going home. Or, you know, you, you realize this is actually going to be hard, right? You have a dream or you have a goal, but when you start it, you realize it's exhausting. It's challenging. There's adversity. And the question is, Will you quit when things get hard? Or will you keep going until you get to your goal? The Israelites are going to encounter their first challenge, and we're going to see if they quit or if they finish their challenge. All right, read with me here. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Joshua is going to be walking around. And Joshua, again, is the leader of the Israelites. He's going to be walking around the um, walls of Jericho, surveying the area... And he's going to kind of be wondering, man, is there any weakness to the wall? How can we beat down this uh, city? Because again, this is a mighty city. They have a huge tall wall. It's thick. They have soldiers inside. They're thinking, how can we conquer this area and this city? And they don't know what to do. So as he's surveying the city, he encounters somebody. Let's read about it. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, When Joshua was near this, the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither, he replied. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. Joshua did what he was told. Pause there for a second. So Joshua's going around. He's looking at the wall. He's like, all right, where is like a weakness? How can we break in? What can we do? And as he's surveying this wall, he comes across a stranger. And the stranger has a sword drawn and is standing there. And immediately Joshua goes into like caveman mode. Like, hmm. And he's like, whoa, hey, whoa. Are you a friend or are you a foe? Like, bro, like what's going on? Hey. And the person that he encounters replies, and he goes, I'm not a friend and I'm not a foe. I'm not on your side and I'm not on Jericho's side. All right? I am actually the commander of the armies of heaven. And at this, Joshua falls on the ground and begins 
in worship and in reverence to worship him. Now, usually in the Bible, when someone falls on their face, if it's an angel, the angel will say, hey, don't worship me. I'm just an angel. The only person you should worship is God. But if you notice, the person does not say, don't worship me. The person actually says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. That means that this person is not an angel. And this person commands the very angels in heaven. This person is actually God come to earth. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. This is a cameo of Jesus come to earth in the Old Testament. It's a cameo, yeah. I love it. It's like kind of like when uh, in like an Avengers movie, when all of a sudden you'll see like at the very end of the movie, like, you know, Thor walk out and he's got his hammer like, hello, Earthlings. You know, he like walks up, makes an appearance, and you're like, whoa, this is Black Panther, and you're in that movie, and like, you know, you're, you're appearing in another movie. And it's when Jesus is appearing in the Old Testament. You may be like, well, hold on, how is Jesus appearing if he's not a baby yet? He hasn't been born with Mary and Joseph, like Christmas hasn't happened. How is this even possible, right? Well, here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus was not just a man. Jesus is God who came to earth as a man. Jesus has always existed and always will exist and exists now. Jesus ex- existed before time. And you're like, well, how did he exist before time? What did he do before time? He was there, but how did he, what do you, what do you, your mind is trying to wrap around it, but it's too much to comprehend because it's as if time is a timeline and Jesus is outside of time looking at it. He can presently fast forward the tape or rewind the tape of what time is. It's a construct he's not bound by. So Jesus is in this place looking at Joshua with a sword drawn. And I like this image too, because sometimes we picture Jesus like petting a lamb. Just petting a lamb. Jesus, he's like, hello, child. You know, he's petting, he's like so calm, and he's hanging out with kids. But here, Jesus is a warrior with a sword drawn, like I am the commander of God's armies. And it's like, yeah, boy, that's right. All right, boy, what you got? And he's like, I'm commanding God's armies. And at this, Joshua bows down in reverence. And I like this this answer he gives too when Joshua's like, hey, whose side are you on? And Jesus responds and he goes, listen, I'm not on anyone's side. In other words, he's like, look, I don't pick sides. All right, the better question is this. Are you on my side? Are you on my side? I had a buddy once, we were praying before a football game and we had some guys together and we're praying like, Lord, you know, help us not to get injured in the football game, help us to do well. And after we prayed, we stood up and we looked over and the other team was praying too. And he was like, oh, snap, dude, they're praying too. We're in trouble. Like, I know, who's, who's God going to listen to, right? You know, like, are we going to win? Are they going to win? And he's like, whose side is God on? And here's the thing, like, God doesn't pick sides. Like, I am rooting for the Cowboys, because if he did, he'd cheer for the Cowboys. Moving on, though, you know, if God, God doesn't pick sides or pick football teams, that's not how God operates. Here's what God does, though. Well, here's not what even God does, but here's what we should ask the question, rather. Are we on God's side? Are we being obedient to God? Are we listening to His command? That's the bigger question. Are we being obedient to His command? So Joshua gets down and says, God, what is your command? What do you want me to do? I'm not telling you what to do, God. Rather, I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? I am at your command. You are my commanding officer. The people that I lead, we are at your disposal. How can we serve you? And so God is going to give a plan to Joshua about how to conquer the city. 
Joshua's like, great, all right, how do we conquer the city? And I can just picture Joshua, like, taking out a notepad and a pen, and he's like, all right, cool. So, like, should we get a catapult and, like, throw people over and, like, take the city? Should we, like, get a Trojan horse? I heard that worked for some people. And, like, they sneak in. Like, I mean, do we, like, dig a trench under? Do we, like, get a bunch of, like, mine a bunch of, like, um, like uh, wood and then, like, build a ramp up and then go into the city? Do we, like, drop from the bus down and parachute in? Like, how do we get into the city to take it over? Like, how do we do this, Okay. And Jesus is like, all right, here we go. Here's the plan how we're going to take the city, okay? I need you to listen carefully. Joshua's like, got it. Here we go. What's the plan? Jesus tells him this plan. Get all the people. Wake up in the morning early. Get all the people. Line them up, ready for battle. Put them in formation with the Ark of the Covenant at the front. Then I want you to march towards the city and turn and march around the city one time. Then I want you to go home. Joshua's like, Okay, and then Jesus continues, and he goes, all right, after you marched around it once, you've gone home, rest, the next morning, wake up, get everybody lined up, put the Ark of the Covenant at the front, march around the city once, then go home. You're noticing a pattern here. Do this six days in a row. March around the city once, and then go home. Don't attack it. Don't try and dig any trenches. Don't do anything. Don't even, like, shoot an arrow at it. March around it once, and then go home. Then the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times in a row. On the seventh time, after you've gone around it, I want you to, once you finish that seventh turn around the city, shout as loud as you can. Once you shout as loud as you can, and the trumpets blow of your army, the city walls will literally collapse, fall to the ground, and you will be able to run into the city as if there are no walls and you will have victory. Can you just picture Joshua being like, uh, God? So, just to recap here, we march in circles and shout, and the walls are just going to fall down. That sounds like a joke. That sounds like a caricature, okay? Picture like a football coach going, all right, guys, I got a football play for you, okay? We're going to win the state championship. It's the last play of the game. Here's the football play, all right? We're going to all go out there, all right? We're all going to do our Fortnite dances, all right? Just everybody, do your Fortnite dance, all right? And Billy, I want you to just do the little L one and the foot, and then I want you, I want you to dance like a, a Peruvian anteater, okay, on a bar mitzvah, okay? Just dance like whatever you think that would be like, okay? And Phil, cha-cha slide. Larry, electric slide, okay? Everybody break. I can just picture somebody being like, like maybe Larry, one of the offensive linemen, being like, uh, coach? I know I don't talk much in the huddle, but uh, we're playing football, <laughs> and that is dancing. Football is not dancing. So shouldn't we do a football play since we're playing football? And I can see the quarterback going like, Coach, I've never said this in my life but Larry is right, okay? I've never said this before. I've never cheated off of Larry's test because it would all be wrong. But Larry is right. We're playing football, and that is not a football play. Shouldn't we maybe, I don't know, throw the ball, catch the ball, run the ball, like something involving the football, like all that was just dancing. Coach is like, nope, we're just going to dance, and then the team will fall down on the ground, cry, and then we will score a touchdown. Like, I mean, if your coach said that to you, you'd be like, coach, like, we're going to lose this game. Like, I, I quit. Can I join the other team? Like, I would just at that moment, like, give up. Almost. Almost. Maybe I'd do that just for fun. Like, ha <laughs> ha, it'd just be fun. I don't know. So, that's the command that God gives 
to Joshua. Joshua doesn't question God. Joshua doesn't say to God, yeah, God, I don't like your plan. Can we have another plan? Is there like, is it like a magic eight ball where you just shake it again and you get another plan? Can I open another fortune cookie and get another fortune? Have you ever done that, like not liked your fortune and open another fortune cookie? I've totally done that. Open it, and it's like a typo, and I'm like, I can't read this. I'm going to be getting another one. And I just open a new one. Okay, that's kind of cheating. But anyway, moving on. So Joshua doesn't do that. And he goes, all right, God wants us to march around the city. God wants us to do this plan. We're going to do it. So here's what I want us to see, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But through obedience to God and through perseverance, through hardship, the Israelites are going to continue with this plan. Again, through obedience to God and through perseverance, through hardship, the Israelites are going to continue to move forward in this plan. So first, they wake up in the morning, they line up like they were told to do, and they begin to march around the city, just like they were told to do. They are obedient to God's plan. God told them, march around the city, just like I told you, lined up in battle formation, ready. So they have all their armor, they have their shield, they have their spear, they have their, their battle armor, which is probably heavy, and they're, they're marching around, and maybe the sun was hot, and and they're marching around the wall. And it was probably a long march to leave their camp, to march all the way around the wall, and then to go home. And I want you to realize something. They're being obedient to God, even though they might not understand God. And we need to be obedient to God, even when we don't get God all the time. Sometimes when you're a kid, you don't understand your parents and their commands. You're like, but mom... Why can't I play in the road? It has these cool stripes in the road, and I like the yellow stripes. And, Mom, like, why, my bike rides better in the road. Like, doesn't it make sense I can go? And that road has four lanes. I want to ride in that one. And you're like, Mom, you don't even want me to. And you don't understand. You need to be obedient to your parents, even when you don't understand them. Because you don't understand. They don't want you to get run over by a Mack truck, okay? They, they actually, I don't know, love you. And that's the reason they're giving you that command. As you get older, you go, oh, right, Mom, Dad, cool, right, cool. And you get why they didn't want you to die, all right? Or you get, this is me, I don't know why, but I loved fire, and I was like, fire. I just wanted to touch it, okay? Maybe I thought I could control it and just like, I, I don't know why. I wanted to touch fire, and I got angry, like, Mom, Dad, like, I'm going to touch the cool fire, and you don't want me to have fun. And I got angry at them, but... But even when I didn't understand my parents, I needed to obey them. And in the same way, the Israelites obeyed God, even though they might not understand Him all the time. Even though there might be times where they struggle with doubt, or fear, or hardship, they moved forward. They moved forward and were obedient to God through their times of doubt, through their times of confusion. So they marched around the wall. Now, if I was inside of Jericho, and I was a defender of Jericho, at first, like that first day, and this is just me speaking, uh, you can speak for yourself, if I was inside of Jericho, and I saw this army marching towards me that first day, I'd be nervous that first day. I'd be like, oh man, that's a lot of people, like they have their army, they're ready, <sighs> let's get ready for a fight, alright, I have my bow and arrow, I pull it back, I get ready, and then they just start marching, like they turn, and I'm like, huh. I'd be like, all right, all right, all right, they're going around behind us. Look out, Frank. They're coming around you for the rear. All right, they just they keep going, and they're just, they're going, and then they're, and then they're, oh, and they're leaving. Oh, 
That's, maybe they were just like surveying. You know, maybe they were just checking out our defenses, and tomorrow they're really going to attack. And then the next day, you know, they come, and I'd, I'd get ready, and I'd be ready to attack, and then they'd just surround us again, and then they'd just leave. And then I'd start to get a little bit of a swagger. I'd be like, yeah, you better run. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and then the third day, I, I would just be a little arrogant. I'd be like, oh, back for more, huh? Yeah, oh, you, you thought you saw something about a weakness, but then you saw my biceps, suckers, all right? I'd be flexing on him, okay? I'd pull up my bow and arrow and be like, did you see this, okay? Did you see who is in this place? It is I, the Barrett of Phillips, okay? Run, mighty, wi- uh, I'm sorry, I'm, no, they're not mighty, sorry. I am the mighty Barrett of Phillips. You are the weakling Israelites. Run now in fear of me. I, then after that, I'd get bored, okay? I'd get bored of taunting them, and I'd just get a lazy boy. Because why would I stand there all day and watch them march, okay? I'd get a lazy boy, kick back, and watch them march and just eat popcorn, okay? And I would just enjoy watching them in misery because the sun was probably hot, beating down on them. They have their armor, and they're marching, and they look tired. And I would just get exhausted from shouting insults at them. It's tiring shouting insults, okay? It's exhausting at a certain point. So after a few days of them marching and marching, you got to figure the Israelites are getting tired. They're getting thirsty. The sun's beating down on them. Their armor is getting heavy because they're carrying that shield, their spear, their armor on them. And at a certain point, they have to persevere through hardship. They have to carry that weight of their armor. Their legs might have grown weary from all the marching. And they have to keep going and not quit. And they probably might have thought back to when they first started and entered in the promised land. And they had all this hope and optimism. And now they're thinking, man, like, what if we just didn't go march around the walls today? What if we just stayed home today? I don't see any cracks in the wall. I don't see any weaknesses in the wall. I don't want to go out there and watch that guy with spiky hair and a big nose mock me again. All right, that Barrett dude. All right, Barrett the Mighty, whatever. I don't want to hear him yell at me again. Like, I, I just want to stay and camp and rest. I, I just don't want to be obedient to God today. It's exhausting. I don't see any results. I don't see any, any wall crumbling. I, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. Sometimes Satan just whispers in our ear, is the wall even going to fall? Is anything even going to happen? That doubt begins to creep in. And so then our obedience comes into question. And then our perseverance grows weak. And our legs feel tired and heavy. I'm sure the Israelites felt the same way. And yet they continued. They continued to obey God. And they kept marching. And they continued to persevere through the hardship. They didn't quit. If they had quit, the wall would have never fallen. They would have never taken Jericho. They would have crashed against its walls, tried to scale them and fallen on their own. They would have never succeeded. They would have sat in the desert for years and never taken the promised land. But they kept marching. They didn't quit just because it got hard. Let me tell you this, and listen carefully. If you quit anything in life just when it gets hard, you will never accomplish anything of value in your life. Let me say that again. If you quit something, if you quit anything in your life just because it's hard, 
or just because it's challenging, you will never accomplish anything of value in your life. And you will never become anything that is truly fortified or strong. You will never be sharpened into someone who is a man or woman of character if you continue to quit whenever it gets challenging or continue to become disobedient just because it is challenging or you might have times of doubt. We need to know what it is to continue in obedience and to continue in perseverance even when there is hardship. And the Israelites did that. On the seventh day, they marched seven times. Even when they were their most tired on the seventh day, they were the most tired on that day, and yet it was that day that God told them to march the furthest. They marched seven times around. On the seventh time, they must have been exhausted, but they made it. And on the seventh time, they took all of their strength, all of their gumption and courage in them, and they released a yell. And they shouted. And their shout was not enough to shake a wall. You can shout pretty loud, especially in middle school girls. Let me tell you they can shout, all right? It's more like a shriek than a shout, all right? It's more like a, ah! it's like a, ah! like a shriek, okay? But, but they can also shout. They can do a womanly roar cry, okay? So there's a shout from the Israelites, and their shout is answered by God as he takes the wall and he shakes the wall, and the wall crumbles. We've actually excavated the walls of Jericho. Jericho is a city, and it's not a city that's still built up in the sense of we've rebuilt the city of Jericho because there's nothing that remains of the ancient city of Jericho other than the ruins of the wall. And the wall of Jericho has actually fallen from the inside out. What's interesting is if you were defenders, or if you were attackers, and you knocked the city walls down, which way would the walls go? It'd fall, yeah, it'd fall in, right? It'd fall in. But the walls of Jericho fell out, showing that God shook the walls. And not only did he shake them, but he caused them to fall out, meaning that literally a ramp was there of rubble for the Israelites to run up into the city. How cool is that? That was like a little ramp for them to run up into the city. The walls of Jericho fell out so the people could run up into the city. They ran into the city and had victory over the city and conquered it because God gave them victory. God was with them every step of that march. Not just when they cheered. Not just when he shook the walls. Not just when he gave them the plan. God was with them every step of that march. Every day that they marched, he was there beside them. Though they did not see him, he was there. And he gave them victory. Let me tell you something. If you and obedience to God will keep marching. And if you, through perseverance, through hardship, will keep marching, the walls in your life will fall. The walls will fall. Whatever those walls might be in your life, they will fall. And they might not fall right away, and they might take time to fall, but they will fall. Let me explain. I was talking to a young man, and a young man was telling me, Barry, I have been fighting this temptation for the longest time. It feels like literally months 
of fighting against this temptation of lust, and I've just been warring against it. It feels like Satan keeps pulling me back into it, and I keep trying to stop, but he keeps pulling me back into it. I keep trying to be obedient to God, trying to fight against it, but he keeps pulling me back into it. I told him, keep going. Don't stop fighting. Don't give up just because it's hard. Keep marching. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know what it is to be obedient to God. You know what God wants you to do. Don't stop. Here's the thing. One day for that young man, the wall will fall, and he will have victory over that temptation. I don't know when it is. Maybe it won't be until literally the day he dies and he goes to heaven and then he has victory. But one day the wall will fall and you will have victory. And God will give it to you. Too often we quit. Too often we quit. And we quit because we doubt God can give us victory. Or too often we quit because we're like, God, I've been waiting too long. I can't wait any longer. I give up. And God's like, no, hold on, I can be with you. Hold on just a little bit longer. Or too often we quit because we're like, God, it's too hard. God, my legs are too tired. My armor's too heavy. My shield and my spear, they're too much to bear. The sun is too hot that beats down on me. The mockery that's being shouted at me from Satan is too much. I don't see any cracks in the wall as I marched around it for days. God, where are you at? Because it doesn't feel like you're marching with me. It feels like I've been marching alone. And he says, I'm marching right with you. The whole time that the Israelites marched, the person who was at the very front were the priests that marched at the front. God commanded that because he wanted the Israelites to know I am leading this march. The priests represent me. And the Ark of the Covenant represents me. I will lead you as you make this march. There is no step that you will take that I will not take with you as we march around this wall. God was with the Israelites as they marched around the wall. Every step they took, He took with them. He did not leave them. From the moment he gave them the command until the moment the walls fell. He was with them, and he will be with you. Though you struggle, do not quit. I was speaking with a young girl who was like, man, I'm struggling against anxiety and depression and all these challenges, and they're weighing down on me, and it's been so long. And I told her, look, keep going. And I'm so proud of her because she continues to fight, and it shows such courage to move forward. I was talking to another middle schooler who, in their home life, the parents are struggling and fighting, and I told them, keep moving forward. Keep going forward. Don't quit. God will give you victory. He will give you relief, and I don't know when that will be. I don't know. Though you might doubt, though you might struggle, I don't know. But God will give you victory to persevere, and at least will give you strength to persevere, and He will change who you are, sharpening who you are, groaning who you are. And I bet this, I bet you're stronger than who you were when you began the march. I bet the Israelites' legs were stronger by the time they finished marching than when they began. And I bet you're a stronger young man or stronger young woman than you were with whatever challenge is in front of you than when you began it. God is growing you. And sometimes maybe the very reason he puts a wall in front of you is to grow you, to cause you to stand up straight and to grow in who you are. Trust him 
even when you don't understand him. Have faith even when doubt creeps in. Have courage. Move forward one step in front of the other and have faith in God. Trust in him and the wall will fall. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we put our faith and hope in you, Lord. And, and I ask, Father God, that you would be with each and every student here. Allow us, Lord, to see you through the midst of every storm and every adversity and every struggle. We love you, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give our legs strength as we march, as we continue on in this battle. Might you allow us to move forward in confidence, in courage, and to not give up, to not give up, but to move forward. We love you, God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said?